0: week. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to James chapter 5. James chapter 5. We're wrapping up our series on the book of James, the younger brother of Jesus who has been speaking to and challenging us on the issues of living as a Christian in an intolerant, hostile world. He's been calling believers to mature responses, to be people who are strong in character, to watch what we say. He's been very, very practical. And, and James declares that he wants followers of Jesus to live strong, not just to talk Christian talk, but to live like a Christian in every situation and through every circumstance. And today is a very powerful section of James. Um, And it talks about how we react when we're going through difficulty, when we're going through weakness, when we're going through anything that is bigger and beyond what we're usually used to. In in this short book of five chapters, James says 14 times, brothers and sisters, family, I want to talk to you as family, he says, and that in itself is a strong message that he's sending. He's, he's talking to us as though we understand we are family, we are connected, that when one feels something, we all feel it. When one rejoices, we all have reason to be happy. And and he's saying it's, it's very important that we treat and work with one another and, and that we're We create an atmosphere, we create family that's the highest, safest, kindest level of existence together. And I want you to keep that in mind as we go. Last week, we ended with one of the family statements, brothers and sisters, dear family, be careful about what you promise. If you say you're going to do it, do it. If you say you won't do it, then don't do it. Um. Don't break your word. It, breaking our word is sin and it has consequences attached. Family does what they say they will do and, and, and they avoid behaviors that are dangerous and hurtful to one another. And so I want you to keep that sort of understanding because it, it, it continues on in this, this section here. I want you to keep that phrase, that understanding in mind as we walk into this next and final section of James. James chapter 5 verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. We've called this house, we've called you all to be a house of prayer this year. Not, not because it's a good Christian thing to do or to say or a religious thing to say. We've called this house to prayer because Jesus declared that his house will be a house of prayer. And we pray because we have this confidence in Jesus that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us, then we have what we have asked of him. We know that if we pray according to his will, then anything is possible. And James says, when you suffer, when, when you're going through the hardships of life, as we believers, we have one response. We, we don't complain, we don't, we don't give up, we don't walk away. We pray. We pray. And and the language here is not just the, the person who is suffering hardship should pray. But if someone is amongst us and they're going through hardship, then because they're part of the family, because they're connected, because of of our family relationship, because of our love and our concern for each other, we all pray, we all are concerned, we all are suffering. Because we're followers of Jesus and we, we, we pray because this is how we fight our battles. We, we are to be prayer specialists. We're to dig in. We're to fight in prayer. We're to struggle until we see the issue resolved. We're to, to stay true to the mission until victory has been obtained. It is who we are. It is what we do. We are a people that pray. Boy, it got quiet in here. We, we are a people that pray. Prayer, prayer is the evidence of our love. It's, a, it's the evidence of our care and our concern. In, in the very complex, impossible, risky situations that we experience week by week, it is the best help. Sometimes it's the only help we can offer one another. I am going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you. James says, that, that prayer is the powerful answer and we are committed as a people to praying for one another. I, I, I'm going to sit on this for a moment or two because it's so very important. I, I remind you that he addresses us as family. If you're brand new here today, you're not a stranger you're part of our family. We've opened our hearts, our doors to you, and we're thrilled that you're here. And we count you as family. So, so good family is sensitive. Good family is sensitive to need, sensitive to situation, sensitive to the importance of people. There are no people in our world, in our in our circle, in our family who are unimportant. You are important. Prayer is a significant life changing way to invest in people. When we know that someone is in difficulty, we don't critique what's gone wrong, we don't judge action and pass sentence, we don't offer legal counsel or parental advice, we pray. We pray. God, we need you to intervene here. We we need your presence. We need your power. We need your wisdom. God, what would you have me do in this situation to alleviate the pressure, alleviate the the, the burden, that that, that we would help, that we could bring some resolve to my family member who is going through situation of difficulty. James wants to underline these three words. When someone is suffering, you pray. Doesn't matter what the suffering looks like or why it's caused, we pray. He goes on and he says if there's a victory in your life, if you have come to breakthrough, if there's a season to celebrate, you should be a people of praise. And, and again, because of connectivity, because of our f- familial relationship, when you, when you have a breakthrough, when an answer comes because of who we are, the natural reaction of the people of God is to throw up our hands, to raise our voice, and to sing a song of praise. Praise directs our attention to the God of the breakthrough and encourages the people who are suffering hardship that what he has done for others, he'll do for you as well. We are a house of prayer. We are a house of praise. We raise our hands and we sing if someone else has a breakthrough. We raise our hands and we sing if you have a breakthrough. It's all one and the same. If, if you win, we all win. We are either in intercession because of hardship or we are in praise because of breakthrough. And sometimes we do it both at the same time. It's how we operate. It's who we are. Again, I say, I want you to keep all of that in mind because it supports, it underlines all that comes next. Verse 14, are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. James is moving into a deeper part of hardship here. The, the, the translators have used the word sick and, and that's, it, it fits and, it, and it's a good word, but it's not the complete focus of the passage here. We, 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 he most certainly means physical illness, but to get the full picture, you need to add the word weakness to that phrase. If any of you are sick or experiencing any kind of weakness... Are any of you sick or weak in any way? Are, are you suffering with weak bodies? Are you at a crisis of faith? Are, are you seeing your faith weaken? Are, are any of you growing weak in the face of temptation or growing weary fighting the battle that you're in? Are you sick? Are you weak in any area of your life? I think we all can say, that's me. That's me. And, and he goes on and he says, if so, grab hold of this. Don't fight it alone. Don't go it alone. Don't, don't, don't fall for the enemy's lie that you, you will work it out personally and privately. You need, I need help. You need the connectivity of family and faith to, to come alongside and to help. You have to to fight that pride that says, I'll do this on my own. I I don't need anybody else. Remember, he's picked you up and he's placed you in family. And family gets their nose out of joint when they don't really understand what's going on with you. They want to help and, and you need to allow them to do that. Here's the call. Call for the elders of the church. Call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you. Elders are placed in the church because of their experience, because of their wisdom, because of their proven track record. They are, according to 1 Thessalonians 5.14, To be in the body, to encourage the timid, and to help those who are in a time of weakness. There's a knowing by God that there will be times of need in all of us, weakness in each one of us, and that there should be help, there should be support, there should be strength in place. If you are sick, if you are weak in any way, call for help. And in this particular situation, James says, call on people of experience, call on people of discernment, call on the elders. We have counted as elders, those who are in pastoral situations. And we also have uh, uh, Davy and we have Olivia added to that. We need to work on, on uh, making that a broader team, but right now that's who they are. And, and the, res- the response is, call on the elders. And the response is obvious, James says, let them pray. And and I will underline that because it's so simple, yet so important. I'm not just speaking to elders. I'm speaking to all of us. A a few weeks ago, I I can't remember if it was in a service or in a prayer time, that I was speaking on the woman who had the issue of blood for a 12-year period of time. She'd gone to doctor after doctor. She'd been in every clinical trial, every medicine in search of a solution. And the scripture says that she'd spent all of her life savings and had suffered much in the treatments that were offered and still wasn't cured. So she was now not only sick and weak, but she was broke. And until you've been sick... You might not understand the toll that is extracted by sickness and weakness. You you might not understand the confusion and the anxiety that comes from pain that refuses to let you sleep. You you might not understand the fear that accompanies illness where, where no one seems to be able to diagnose or find a treatment that is suitable for you. You don't understand the guilt that comes when you're not well enough to go to work or to care for your family. You don't understand when, in a family, one person gets sick and all of the attention of that family and all of their friends is on that one who's in need. And yet, you're part of that family, and for that extended period of time, your needs, your situation becomes invisible. You may not understand the anxiety that is attached to navigating the vast, complex, multi-layered medical system that we have that sends you from pillar to posts and expects you to anticipate the questions you will be asked so that you'll have the answers in a timely fashion. Unless you've been through it, you don't understand it. And James says, I want the church, I want the family to be sensitive, to understand what's going on. It's more than physical. It's more than weakness. It's just this weight that has rested on a shoulder. When you have long-term illness, your emotions, your family, your work, your relationships, your plans, your future, your hopes, your finances, your outlook, your perspective, all are damaged. All get mangled. And I want us to be sensitive to that. I want us to be sensitive to that and to one another always. It's a delicate balancing act just to get to the house of God when you're weak or when you're sick. Sometimes people will say, I'm so sorry I haven't been here. I've just been so sick. I just say, I'm so glad you're here. We'll take you whenever we can get you. I just want to lift the guilt off. I want us to be sensitive to them. So when they come, we need to treat people respectfully. We need to be careful about what we say and what we don't say. We need to be biblical. James says, if you're sick or weak in any way, call for help. And in this instance, call for mature, discerning help. Call for the elders of the church. I'm making a big deal of this because it's one of the ways in the New Testament that healing shows up. Jesus says that if you believe in him, if you're a follower of his, that anyone, anyone who's a believer can lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Paul says that when we come to the communion table, as we will today, come unified, come focused on Jesus, because when we do, we proclaim all the benefits, all the power, all the healing that was released from the cross is present in our midst. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our iniquities. Surely he bore our sorrows and by his stripes, we are healed. And that, that as we proclaim those truths, that comes to us, that, that, visits each one of us. Things of a supernatural nature can and will happen. There are different ways of healing that are available at different moments. James is using one of them, and he says, call for the elders of the church. Now, you may not be an elder in the church, but listen, you can learn. I, I, I'm, in need to, to, I'm in need, and I call out for help, and there's only two things that happen. Please hear me. There are only two things ha- that happen. Prayer is said, and I'm anointed with oil in the name of the Lord. There's this weird thing that happens when we walk into a situation that we're not prepared for, and our brain isn't focused. Somehow, some way, our mouth slips into action before we can check our mind and put it in gear. person who is in distress comes to a place of need and shows up and finds the courage to put his hand up, put her hand up, come forward for prayer saying, I need help. And James says to you, says to me, set your gears, get into focused prayer. Well, yeah, Bill, I, I get that. I agree. Move on. Know, know that it's important that you hear the call to pray fervently and battle relentlessly in prayer. Here, I, I, I get that. But please hear me. We are a people of prayer. We do not work for CSI and attempt to discover the source of your weakness and pain. Are you sick because you've been partying too much? Are you eating your leafy greens? Are are are, are you imbalanced in your sleep habits? That that that's not what it says. We pray. We are not to be natural food specialists. Do you gargle with cinnamon? Do you bathe in essential oils? Do you eat crab apples every morning? Do you tape marshmallows to the bottoms of your feet before you go to bed? Now, I'm using humor. I'm using exaggeration for a purpose, partly to cover for the guilty, um, but but more so, so that we just get this in our minds i 've had um, I, I'm a gravel pit I've had kidney stones i 've had gall stones i i I normally you know i'm trying to keep the roads on the on the city like gravel during icy times so when i'm having an attack and i've asked for prayer, there have been times when i've been given these interesting side things. Have you tried drinking this, eating that, not eating this, not drinking that? James says, we're not alternative medicine people. We're prayer people. We pray. We're we're not newspaper journalists looking for exactly where the pain is, how big the pain is on a scale of one to 10, and then publishing the need so that others can pray effectively. That's not us we are not storytellers who hear of your trouble and then just before we pray tell you the story of how my uncle died of that very thing that you have not two years ago and it was such an ugly experience for us all we pray we don't tell stories we pray we're not angry parents that let you know how disappointed we are in your lifestyle and how sad that we are that we are that you got to this point. The, the, the list is long and it's pulled from personal experiences. We're not lecturers. We're not gossipers. We're not alternative medicine people. We're not cynics, critics, or invasive or intrusive in any way. I don't need to know all the details. You have this wrong. Let's pray. James says, You are none of those things. You are a person of prayer who goes to prayer and prayer alone. I need to underline a couple of things. I I, I don't understand healing fully. I wish I did, but I don't. And I don't believe anybody who says, well, I've got it all figured out. We're all seeing through a glass darkly right now. I have seen, I have experienced healing many times, but I have a long list of questions and experiences for which I don't have any answers. I know some things. I know that God is my healer and I know that he heals all my diseases. I believe that all healing comes from God, and so I'm so thankful for the touch of his hand, or I'm so thankful for the medical team that he puts in my corner. I thank, the, I thank God for them, and I pray for them, and I bless them. I, I do know that there are more and more situations where doctors and the medical system are scratching their head and saying, they, they won't say this, but they're, they're really meaning, I don't know what to do. Only God can bring a solution. And, and, I'm, and I'm not going to be happy, and I'm not going to be satisfied until this house is so healthy, so full of the power and the presence and authority of Jesus that people get healed in every service and in every way imaginable. And I believe that it's coming, and I will not give up until that is our experience. I'm, I'm waiting for the day where it's more a question of when Are you going to do this? Rather than, I hope he does do this. I I do know for sure that as a church, we, we must be locked in on the ways of God. We cannot and we will not mix and mess up healing with other options and occupations. I was at a church a few years back and was asked to join the prayer team after the morning service and I was praying beside someone and as they were praying I heard him say now do you have good health insurance and he took out of his pocket I sell health insurance We don't mix and mess up healing with other options and occupations. In this house, we are the people of God who depend on his mercy and his grace and are not dabbling in other pursuits while we pray for those who are sick and affected by weakness and already vulnerable. Please hear me on this. Please hear me. One of those healing ways is this, we call for the elders of the church to come and to pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. The oil is not medicinal, it's not a magic solution that's sprayed on a person, it simply consecrates you, it simply marks you as a person who is in need and who is at the dis- is at the disposal of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the Lord that will make you well, it says, it will anoint you with oil and you will be be healed it's my job to pray the prayer of faith it's my job to operate in discernment to hear what God says as I pray for you and to follow the direction of the Holy Spirit but James says the Lord it is the Lord that will make you well I, I hear some folks saying well you know I healed this person I healed no you did not you did not heal that person because if you, take, if you take credit for the person who was healed, then you have to take credit for the person who wasn't healed. They don't do that. The Lord will make you well. James says... No, you offered prayer from a place of faith and connection and it was the Lord that made them well. And James adds this really interesting little phrase. He says, if you're sick, if you have weakness and it has roots in sin that has been committed, that will be taken care of during the prayer of faith as well. You, you will be healed by the Lord and your sin will be forgiven and you will be able to walk in freedom and strength from that moment forward. Church, hear me on this. One size does not fit all. Just take a look around and there's some size 2s and size 5s and 10s and 12s and you know whatever size this is. And, and one size doesn't fit all. Jesus made you unique. Jesus made every person unique. And so every answer to prayer is unique. Every person, every story is, is, is its own. It, we, we don't have the luxury of saying that every sin causes this disease or all, all sickness or weakness is caused by that. We, we don't have that. Jesus comes up to a young man who is blind and his disciples saying, hey, Jesus, we're starting to get the hang of this healing thing. Um, he's been blind since birth, so just to help us, give us a bit of a hint. Was it his parents who sinned or was it him that was sinned? And Jesus says, neither one. This man is placed right here, right now, so that his generation can get a sense, can be, can be, can, can see Jesus and all the glory that he operates in. When, when the man was brought to the Jesus threw the ceiling on a mat, and he said, rise up and be healed. And they said, well, who are you to say sins are forgiven? And, and Jesus says, well, if I say, rise up and get healed, or if I say, your sins are forgiven, you'll be mad at me either way. So it doesn't really matter what I say. The, the result is that he got up and was healed. My point is that we approach need with love. We approach need with sensitivity. We come with unshakable faith in God and dependence on the Holy Spirit to guide us as we pray for one another. And and, and then James goes on into yet another way of sealing, seeing healing occur. And, and this, this brings in even more the, the, the whole area of weakness. Because we fight to make this a safe, healthy, sensitive house. He- healing comes out of Other connections as well. Verse 16, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Because this is to be a safe place to be open and vulnerable, we're able to come and we're to confess the places where we're caught in sin, caught in weakness. Again, we all have our blind spots. We all have our weak points. We need family to have our six. We need people to be watching out for us. And, and because of our connectivity as family, we can go to people that we know, people that we trust with our struggles. We confess our sins to each other, we help one another. I'm vulnerable in this area. Will you help me? And because we're a people of prayer, we pray with one another. And John says that if we confess our sins to Christ, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And he's the one who forgives and sets us free from sin. But but there are sins that we find that are like a, a spider web. And every time we move, everywhere we move, we become more and more tied up and stuck at a deeper level. And James just says, get help. Find brothers and sisters who know how to pray and confess your faults to one another. In this state of weakness, find people that you trust in the church and say, I need help. I'm stuck in sin or sins, and I need accountability. I need a strategy. I need a partner to help me out of this pit. And you will pray together, and you will build accountability. You will build support, and you will work together until there is healing and freedom. And James says, that's natural. That's normal. That's healthy. That happens in the house of God. When a follower of Jesus prays with all their heart, things happen. When that person prays, the great power of God is released through their prayer. When that person prays, wonderful results occur. The impossible becomes more than possible life comes, strength is restored, change happens. So be the righteous person who is a warrior in prayer and fight until you see the power of God released and the results that we long for occur. James says, be like Elijah. Elijah was a human, verse 17, as we are, as human as we are, and yet he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall and none fell for three and a half years. In and of himself, there was no difference in Elijah than any other person in his generation. He's not different than you or I. He puts his socks on one one foot at a time. He's just normal like us. The difference was that he was closely connected to God. He operated with the authority of God. And when Elijah was directed by God to stand up uh, in front of the godless king Ahab and say, it will not rain in this land, not a drop of rain, not a drop of dew until I say moisture returns. He was obedient and what he said took place. There wasn't even the, 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 the slightest little bit of dew on the ground for three and a half years years. King Ahab, God is going to get the attention of your adulterous self and of this people that have followed you into the dark spiritual places that you've led them. And it will take a while and it will cost you something great and the people a great deal more. But in the end, you will know and the people of Israel will know that God is God. It wasn't a power play to lift Elijah to the place of superhero. It was a plan to get the people of God back to their God. God loves you so much, he'll do whatever it takes to get you to where he wants you. It will take a while and it will cost you But God wants to make things happen in your life. God wants to make things happen through your life. And he followed the direction of the Lord. And for three and a half years, Israel was a desert. Not until I say the word will God allow moisture to come to this land. Verse 18, and then Elijah prayed again. And the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. At the direction of God, Elijah discovers that now is the time to pray for release on the land. You will remember that there was this conflict between the prophets of Baal and the prophet of God on the Mount of Carmel in 1 Kings chapter 18. And, and the nation sees that God is the one, the true, the only God, and that is the time for Elijah to say, now is the time for rain. And he prays, and he keeps on praying. He keeps, he's bowed down, he's got his head by his knees, and he's just praying intensely and he's sending his servant out and says, keep looking for a cloud. There hasn't been a cloud in the sky for 42 months, but you keep your eye peeled until you see something. And and he keeps praying until the servant comes back and he says, it's not very much, but I I have to tell you, there's a cloud and it's not much bigger than my fist. And Elijah gets up and he says, we got to run if we're going to get home before the roads turn to slush. Prayer is understanding who God is and what he's up to. Prayer is knowing God's timing and God's authority. Prayer is a growth area that develops and matures with experience as a result of our mistakes and our experience. It's it's not an exact science. It's a relationship with the life and the power of God that we grow in day by day, experience after experience, hardship after hardship. And James says to you and says to me, prayer is life-changing, nation-building, history-changing activities that you, the church, have to be involved in. Look to learn from Elijah. His story can be your story. His story is meant to be your story. The last verses of this chapter and of this book is a deep and important understanding for all of us as to what the house of God is supposed to be. It's to be safe, it's to be loving, it's to be caring community that loves those who have wandered out back into the house and the relationship with God. In verse 19, it says, my dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness from sins. We are a house that loves and prays and longs for prodigals. We don't judge. We we don't condemn. We just love. We pray. We build bridges. We bless. We strengthen them at every opportunity. We don't shun. We don't avoid. We stay in communication with. We believe for divine appointments to occur where we can reconnect, where where we can bring in and have the recovery of lost people through love and kindness and concern because this is a house of safety. I'm here this morning not because I get paid to be here. I'm here this morning because I choose to be a part of the family called C3 North. Because I feel called by God to be here. I know for a fact that the senior pastors of this church are not perfect. But they are learning. They are growing. And generally they're teachable. I choose to be connected to the family that meets at this location, not because they are perfect or because they have it all together. I choose them because I see God at work in them. I see that God has brought them from the four corners of the globe to this corner of the city for for a, a divine purpose that hasn't been fully revealed to us yet. He brought one to teach me the power of prayer. And he brought another to show me the life that is found in mercy. And, and he brought one to show me that the doors that can be unlocked through serving one another and loving one another. And he brought another to teach me about loving people that the world doesn't see as lovable. And as I am in connection with this family, I've been transformed. In that connection, I have grown. I've become better than I was before. I've become more like Jesus, but I still have a long way to go. I have a long way to go. I choose to be a part every week of the prayer life of this church. I come on Tuesdays. I'm here on Sunday morning. I participate in the day of prayer and fasting. I pray daily for my church. I pray daily for the individuals and for the families and the households of this family because I know that it makes a difference. When there's a problem, when there's a crisis the phone rings here. Will the church pray for us right now? There's a family who has a, the mom, a single mom of some small kids, uh, is really sick right now, and we've been praying for her. We'll continue to pray for her. Another part of our church family phone and said, listen, my, my niece's daughter was hurt at, at daycare, and there's brain bleed, and can can you pray? They just know that we we deal, we stand, we live in hope. We're a people that pray. I, I choose to be a part of this house, and when we're in the word every day, there is strength that comes. There's, there's a clearer understanding of, of who God is and what God is like. I preached last Sunday out of this very same chapter earlier in verse 11. You can see how the Lord is full of tenderness or compassion and mercy. And there's been several, we, several places this week where I've gotten snagged on difficulties, and I've just stopped and I have recentered and said, God, I know that you are a God of compassion. And you are a God of mercy and I refuse to allow my situation, I refuse to allow my circumstance to interpret who you are. Your word says this is who you are and that's who I believe you to be. You are full of mercy. You are full of compassion. You overflow. That happens because we're in the word. That comes out of our commitment to the word. It has, it is, it will change me into being the follower of Jesus that I was designed to be. And when we believe that God is who he said he is, and when we believe that God can do what he said he would do, not just say it with our mouths, but think that way, live that way, believe until shift happens, then God shows up. Do you want to come to the music people? Do you want to come and get ready for communion? And listen, church, we need him to show up. We need him to show up like we've never needed him to show up before. What can I do for you, Sylvia? Sure, come on up here. Come on up here. Can you get me the common help?
1: Yep. Yep. Okay. It's hard for me to do this, but I think it's really important. Back in April, on the 11th of April, Like somehow the whole situation doesn't matter but what I fell out of my house on my head on the cement mm-hmm. I was laid flat out and Elmer was coming behind me out of the garage and he thought that I was dead mm-hmm. and he took that scripture that Shan said this morning, he said, if that spirit that raised Raise Christ Jesus from, from the, the dead, dead dwell in you, he will quicken your yes, mortal body.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And he prayed then over me and he prayed in tongues loud, he said, mm. and he shouted loud for the whole world to know and for the devil to get away. Mm. And he said, If his spirit that raised Christ from the dead right. dwell in you, Amen. Amen. Raise her up, Lord. Raise her up. And he prayed like that for five or ten minutes. Mm. I didn't know what was going on, but the Lord raised me up.
0: Yeah, he did.
1: And that was an answer to prayer of yeah, a right. man. Yeah, that's right. And he didn't fall down and shocked and was not shock <laughs> He didn't fall down and cry on the ground. He just raised his voice up to yeah. God and said to hey, yeah. quicken your mortal body. Yeah. And God raised me up. I don't yeah. know why, but today a I'm There's telling a you, I'm a, I'm a witness to this yeah. is what happened.
0: Amen. Good. So you Thank, you.
1: God to do Thank you. Thank you. Best.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Very good. Thank you. That's one story and we lift our hands and we sing with praise because we're a house of praise and thanksgiving, but we're also a house of of intercession. We desperately need a breakthrough. We desperately need a breakthrough. We have ears that need to hear. We have eyes that now can't see, but will see. We have diseases that need to be healed. We have prodigals that need to return. We have weakness that needs to be strengthened. We have prayerlessness that needs to be transformed into the authority that it was meant to be. We need the prayer of faith to heal every disease, every weakness in our house. We will pursue, we will push, we will pray until something happens. We will fight until we win. I'm so glad that it was Shan that was wakened up at 4.30. I'd been up a couple hours before he was, but, and that it was his jaw that was sore. But I really believe when he said that, that today a chapter turns, a page turns, this is a change. This is a change. And so what we're going to do is we're going to come to the table that declares that he's the same God today that he's always been that he will heal our diseases he will bring our prodigals home we're going to do that and then we're going to move into a place of prayer where the elders will and those that we've asked to help will help I have oil here and they can anoint you with oil you may want to come and stand in for someone else. I hope somebody comes and stands for for uh, Brenna and for her household. They've been sick for a month and there's so many of our folks that, you know, one member catches it and then it goes member to member and then by the time uh, you get to the end of the, the line, it starts all over again with a new variant or something and we just need some strength in the house. So as the worship team Uh, Leads. I'm going to come down and I'm going to distribute the the elements. And they're going to stand at the head of each row. And when you're ready, you get up and you come and you get an element and you go back to your seat. And just wait until we're all ready to participate. And you just pray and hold on. And then we're going to take time to pray. So you lead as we pray. Those who are serving, come please.